Welcome to Pilates 101, the podcast where we bring the latest and most up-to-date information on anything and everything to do with the Pilates industry to you, to help you build your dreams and your businesses right now. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Pilates 101. And before I get into exactly what we're talking about on this edition, just a, a big shout out to all of you out there that are following this podcast along. We're absolutely thrilled and excited with the following that it's gathering and um, you know it's a big thank you to you. And we want to continue to hear from you. We want to hear the content, the information, the interviews, what it is that you want us to keep bringing to you. Um, the last uh, episode we we put out there, or the, one of the last episodes, I can't remember exactly which which order that it was in, um, but in relation to forecasting the trends this year has been uh, really popular and it's um, stimulated some really great discussion and thoughts as well out there in the community amongst my own faculty here at APPI as well. Um, and it's led to us really having a, uh, a strong and um, detailed look at our own curriculum and what we're doing to be able to provide for you guys out there. So if you are an APPI student or if you are not and you're just listening and you'd like to join us in the APPI community, we have a lot of really great and exciting things happening at the Institute at the moment in terms of the way our education is being delivered. So head over to APPIHealthGroup.com and check out all of the changes and exciting updates that are happening there. But let's get to this episode and I'm super excited uh, about this ep- episode and what it can deliver to you. Because I think what we're going to get across in today's episode is the pathway, the journey, if you like, that many of you will be going, uh, you may have been on, about to go on, um, or be in right now. It's a very common story that we hear with people, but the difference with this story is the amazingly successful outcome that it's led to in a variety of of avenues, so not just successful from being a Pilates teacher, if you like. Um, so today's episode is an interview with um, an, an amazing individual uh, by, goes by the name of Tracy Ward. Tracy Ward is the amazingly talented author of the book Science of Pilates. It's a beautifully illustrated book, beautifully written book, and it's become a staple of our Mount Work Teacher Training Program. And I believe personally should be in the library of all of you Pilates teachers out there. Um, Tracy's story to get from her initial training, which was with us here at APPI, and her journey through to running her own business. She shares the insights into her decision-making of making the leap from you know working in a private physiotherapy hospital and running classes out of the, the local church hall to that leap into trusting herself and her vision and going into starting her own business. But then she takes things a step further and she talks through how she went on to develop Pilates retreats how she went on to develop blogs and encourage and, and sort of explore her love of writing. And that went on obviously to her becoming a uh, APPI presenter and she's, she's taught um, all over the place for us here at APPI and is extremely popular. And then on to the, the concept and her vision of seeing an opportunity and going for it in relation to the process of getting published, writing the book, the time it took, the ins and outs, 
So the insights here in her story, I think will really resonate with many of you out there. She's an absolutely delightful human being, an enormously successful person in our industry. And um, I think you will enjoy the interview. So let's go and hear what Tracy had to say. Well, as I said in the intro here, uh, everyone, I am delighted by this episode's guests. Uh, In a moment, we're going to start a conversation with Tracy Ward. Um, Tracy is one of our APPI presenters and recently stepped up to the role of Global Education Ambassador as well. Um, She is a dynamic individual, a hardworking individual, and an inspiration to all of us here at the APPI faculty. And I think her her story and her journey and the many different things that she's brought to the role of physiotherapy and Pilates will be of great interest to many of you. So um, before I go any further, Tracy, a big warm welcome to Pilates 101. Thank you for being with us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. Excellent. Well, look, Tracy, why don't we start by just, um, you know, giving us a so-called elevator pitch, if you like, that uh, couple of minutes summary of who you are, your background, um, where you're based and sort of how you got into physiotherapy and Pilates in the first place. Sure. Thank you. So, yes, um, currently working as an outpatient physiotherapist and have done um, since I graduated. That was the field that I wanted to get into and where I wanted to go. So going right back to the very beginning, I suppose, um, I remember it's when I was in primary school, um, a girl in my class one day in the playground fell off the monkey bars and broke both her wrists. And I think we were about six or seven. So learning to write and all those kind of things and heavily involved in sports. And it fascinated me how one day she was in plaster casts, couldn't do anything. And then some time passed and she was back to writing at school. She was back to doing sports. And because I was so heavily involved in sports, even from a really young age, I just thought, gosh, if I ever get injured, I want to know that person that helped her. So really from a young age, I knew what physiotherapists were, maybe not to the full extent, but I knew what was involved. And I wanted to be that person that could fix people. And throughout my childhood, teenage years, um, I did lots and lots of different sports. And it was just always in the back of my head that if you got injured, you would go to the physio and get fixed. Um, So it came very early on. um, And so I actually did a biomedical science degree first, um, just because my school subjects, actually, I didn't take chemistry. I didn't realize I needed it for the universities here. I did all the other subjects and I did PE instead. So in Scotland, we do four years for our honours degree. So I did four years of biomedical science, but I knew the end goal was physiotherapy. So I did my master's degree in physiotherapy straight after and loved it, um, loved the whole process. I loved the biomedical science, doing all the anatomy, the physiology. I thought I got a really good grounding from early on before doing physio. And then through my physiotherapy training, I had also been going to Pilates classes, um, even for my undergraduate, actually. I did a lot of gym um, exercises. I was a competitive ice skater. I did various other sports as well. But through my studies at university, I realized that I needed something to focus me a little bit more, to sort of calm down from the intense sort of heavier exercises or training schedules that I had So I started going to Pilates at the university gym and it became my one day a week that I really loved. It was that time to switch off 
to not be rushing around the ice rink, not be sort of sweating heavily in the gym and things, or not be stressed out with all my university work. And it was just that one hour that I felt really calm, really grounded, really focused. And I started to notice that my own injuries or niggles that I had, um, whether it was from studying lots or from my sports, that everything just kind of went away and my body just felt really, really good. I felt much more relaxed um, sort of in my head and the concentration was great. So as soon as I finished my master's degree, I signed up to APPI and I did my mat work one, got hooked, um, loved it, signed up to mat work two, three and launched my classes. Um, as, just as soon as I'd finished my training, I set up my classes and then, so I suppose that's, it's just kind of never stopped since then. The opportunities that have come along, I started with one hour a week, one class a week, and very quickly, um, as you know, most people want to do Pilates, there's such a demand for it. So added a second, added a third, and the classes just grew from there. Then we diversified into rehab classes, group classes. I started working with sports teams. I started working with sort of corporate offices and doing lunchtime classes and the business just grew um, and I was really enjoying it. So I gradually started reducing some of my clinical. Um, so instead of doing physio five days a week, I dropped to four days a week, dropped to three days a week after I had my son. Um, but the classes allowed me that freedom that I could still work to almost full time capacity, but I could be at home with my son when he was little um, and then um, likewise, my daughter, when she came along and it meant I could work evenings, I could work weekends around it, but still have a career and a caseload that gave me a full time working schedule. Um, so now I have cut that down actually a little bit further. I do two days a week clinical physiotherapy um, at a private hospital. I work in the outpatient department there as a senior physio. I see a huge range and my caseload is very varied. I like to be um, stimulated and have different challenges. So I see musculoskeletal, sports, spinal, pediatric, pre and postnatal, hands. Um, I see a bit of everything. So I do that two days a week. And then the rest of my week is my Pilates studio, my one-to-one -one clients. Um, I run Pilates retreats, events, and I do writing work as well alongside um, the rest of the sort of in-person business. So writing about physio, writing about Pilates um, as well. And that's where we're at. Okay, excellent. Um, well, you certainly do quite a lot, shall we say. And I think that's one of the reasons I was so interested to share your story and speak to you like this with the audience, because um, you've been on this, this journey that... Many people that go through a Pilates qualification, certainly those coming from an allied health background, and, and especially those coming from an NHS allied health background, there's that moment where you do have to be a little brave, shall we say, and you start off your, your classes just like you did. And a lot of people, um, you know, hear these stories again and again where they're, you know, working five days a week in the NHS and they do their, their mat work certification and then they run a couple of classes in the evening and then there's that, that tipping point of where do you go? How do I go about this? You know, there's safety and security over the here and there's opportunity and, and potential career change over here. Can you take us back to that time where you had to, you know, what were you thinking? What was your process? How did you go through that um, sort of decision-making, if you like? Sure. So 
yes, the sort of one class a week started okay, two classes. And I think it's when I got up to teaching three nights a week. Plus, I'd started adding in sort of workshops, retreats, um, sort of small events and things like that. And I think it was just the the busyness of my full-time job. So um, I've actually always been in the private hospital rather than the NHS, but very demanding, very busy all the time, which I enjoyed. But there was just something different when I went to work in the evenings. It, it just had a different kind of enjoyment that I I really loved going into the studio and having that buzz and that connection with my classes and the challenges of you know planning their classes and changing it and as the other opportunities started to come in so then I got asked to start going into sort of corporate offices to deliver talks and do classes the sports teams the universities asked me to come in and do sort of lectures and workshops so when I started to notice that if you want to do it and apply yourself to it the opportunities are there I didn't have to search very hard for them and I didn't want to say no to these things because I really enjoyed doing it. So it then just became that tipping point. Well, there's only so many hours in a week and I was already working a lot of them. So where did my interests lie or where did my time lie, I suppose? And it was more, probably more so after I had my son. So he is five and a half now and going back to work, putting him into nursery and going back to work sort of eight till five every day, um, paying childcare costs came into it. And I actually worked out I could earn more money working less hours doing my Pilates business and it would reduce some of the stress as well. Um, So not having to be out of the house at seven in the morning to be coming home at six o'clock at night. Um, So, yes, it was lifestyle changes. I think it made a huge difference, making life a little bit easier at home financially, juggling the nursery costs and working out I could actually earn more money doing my business than what I could do staying full time. And yes, that was really the tipping point, I suppose, is a better lifestyle, better income, doing something that I loved as well. And the opportunities were there. So when I went back to work after maternity leave, I went back three days a week and did my business sort of around that the rest of the time. And then my daughter, she's two and a half. So when I went back to work after her, I've gone back two days a week and the business the rest of the time, which is a really nice balance. And I have kind of shifted the balance and and got it so that it works really well now. Yeah. Well, firstly, um, congratulations to you because it is a step that a lot of people uh, often want to do, but aren't quite sort of brave enough at times. And I hope hearing your story and hearing what you've spoken about can really inspire some other people that might be listening to this and are on that edge. Because I think, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about with our education courses is that it is a new career. It's not just like a sort of standard physio CPD course where you learn a few techniques and, you know, yes, you become a better clinician and you become, you know, hopefully more successful in helping your, your clients. But, you know, it's not a new career. You're not changing career or opening up other doors. And, you know, I really do see, you know, our Pilates courses and Pilates certification as that, that you know, door to potentially, you know, those key components that you've spoken about, you know, often being more in control of your time, earning more money and being able to balance life uh, a little bit easier. Um, not to say that it's 
it's an easy process, is it? There's a, you know, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Um, you know, I think that's the one thing people do need to just keep in consideration when they're, they're looking at this is that it's not just running the Pilates classes, but then you've got to, you know, look at how you're booking your classes, how you're taking your payments, how you're scheduling things. And then if it does grow and you get to the point that uh, you're looking to bring other people in, then that brings a whole nother sort of series of questions in. Um, but you've done... Um, something, you know, even further than that, and you've branched out into events that you've said as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about sort of what that is, how that came about, what your vision on that side was? Sure. So it was actually one of my Pilates class members um, a long time ago. She just said in passing at class one night and she said, oh, I heard about this Pilates retreat in Spain, I think it was. And she was like, I'd love to go, but I can't add it into my like annual leave from holidays and then she said oh I, I had a look online and I saw Pilates retreats um that were like a week long down in England but with us being in the northeast of Scotland again she said that wasn't feasible and she just said to me why is there nothing like that up here and I was like I don't know why is there nothing like that here? <laughs> um and she just said is it something you would consider and I went home and I just thought yes, that sounds amazing. Why, you know, we come to class and do it an hour a week or um, what our schedule is, why not do it um, for a whole day? And I initially looked into residential retreats, but I guess starting from the beginning and the financial implications and commitments, I thought that's maybe a little bit too much. But then I thought, well, why can't we just do it for a whole day? And I inquired at a local, um, sort of the nice hotels that have spas and swimming pools and I put together a plan for the day and I set up Pilates retreats. And so we now run them. Um, I run them twice a year, um, usually in the sort of sort of um, January, February time when we don't have much plans and everybody's needing a bit of a boost for the new yeah. year. And then towards the end of the year, usually October, November, um, again, when everybody's sort of out with their summer holidays and things. And they're fantastic. So we do three Pilates classes we have a lunch buffet, we have lots of teas and coffees and um, nice treats, we have lots of socialising, chatting, and they have time to go for a swim, they go for a walk out in the grounds of the hotels, we have goodie bags that they get um, some nice things to take home with, quite often their Pilates, um, sort of maybe their loop band that we use that day or their softball so that they can take what they've learned from class and they can take that home with them. And so I've been running them for... I want to say about nine or 10 years, um, wow. so quite soon, maybe a couple of years into setting up my Pilates classes, they came about and I did one, not really sure how it would go. I was terrified when I went to the first one thinking these people are with me for a whole day and mm -hmm. I have to make this uh, an enjoyable day out for them. But I think I enjoyed it just as much as they did. And it's just become a regular calendar event now. And that's the biggest events that I run. Um, I've kept it to just the day event. It seems to be for my clients anyway up here, it's more practical than them having to go away for a whole weekend or a whole week. Um, it keeps the cost affordable for them as well. So I find that they sell out really quickly and we have a waiting list for them. Usually just going back a little bit to when you were saying about how did I make the jump to my business as well? I think that was key to it. My classes were full and I built up a waiting list. So I had that security to know yeah. even if a couple of people leave, I've got a whole list of people that are desperate for spaces. And it was the same with the events. So once we got a waiting list, they they just progressed from there. All right. So tell us a little bit more about your current setup 
in terms of your your classes and your one-to-ones? I know you've sort of moved on in terms of bringing quite a bit of, of women's health and you, you've completed the certification on the women's health side as well. What's your current setup like? Are you, do you have your own place? Are you renting premises? How, how's the sort of structure for you now? Yeah, so I um, currently have a studio in um, Aberdeen, the city that I'm in. And for many, many years, I did actually rent from church halls. Um, it was the same church hall I had for, I think I was there for about 10 years. It did the job um, after COVID. And obviously we were all online. And when I came back to it, and at that point, I'd really stepped up the business and pushed it to, to become the full-time business. So I wanted um, nicer premises. I wanted something a bit more. I'd been dreaming of it for years and had looked at lots of premises. Again, it comes back to the commitment and the financial implication of taking on my own sort of entire building just kept being a little bit out of reach. Um, Almost did it, but not quite. And then I started renting from a really nice studio. And I'd mentioned to the um, one of the managers there that I'd love to have my own place, run it how I want to, um, and have more time available in the studio. And they actually came about with a really wonderful offer for me that they have a sort of boutique gym um, and personal training studio. And then they had two studios, but they were only using one of the studios properly. So they offered me the second studio. So I rent from them within their premises, but I get to run it as I wish. I get to have all my equipment there um, and it's mine to use as and when I wish. So I then run all my classes from there and I see my one-to-one clients there. So the one-to-one clients are a huge range of people. It's some people who are maybe nervous about joining classes or they've got injuries um, that they're worried about taking to a class or that they need particular care and attention with, or they need really individualized um, either hands-on technique or instructions to guide them through it. A lot of my women's health clients come to -to one-to-ones as well. So my pregnant ladies, my postnatal, my menopausal, um, again, that just need that more tailored approach that we maybe can't do within the classes in the same um, sort of standards with it. So they come for their initial assessments and then usually I see them um, on a regular basis. So sometimes it was weekly, it could be fortnightly, some of them it was monthly, just depending on what their goals were and their needs. And then I usually send them off with a program to do at home. Um, So my Pilates Pro Live software, they get their program sent to them. They work away at that at home and then they come back. We work on new things, we progress them and update it from there as well. Brilliant. So let me just ask you one other thing, because we get asked this question a lot. So you're running your studio inside another premises, which, you know, the the process you've gone through here is something that um, anyone considering this leap really wants to have a a really strong think about. Because I know for me, you've been 23 years down the road now having physical premises, if I did it again, the one thing I would change is we didn't have a single client when we took on our first lease and business loan and kitted out our studio. We just had this, this you know, belief in what we were doing, I guess, and the fact we were, were quite young and, you know, we're in another country, didn't have any ties or anyone telling us to actually be sensible about this thing. We just did it. But if I had my time over again, what you've explained is really the smartest way to go about building up a Pilates business in my eyes. 
you know, run some classes from a church hall, get some clients, get some sort of backing behind you. And so when you do make this leap, you're going in with a clientele, with something that you know, okay, I can at minimum, I can forecast, this is what I'm going to bring in over the next X number of months as you, you know, build the services for sure. And then obviously, you know, the, the opportunity you've taken on board um, is probably a little uh, less risk financially than taking out a full building lease, et cetera, and refurbing and all the rest of it. So you've done it very well. I, I certainly applaud you on that process. Um, but a couple of other things we're often asked around the running of a Pilates studio in terms of um, booking software and people booking classes and that sort of thing. What, what do you use? How do you run that side of your business? So, yes, over the last couple of years, I think that's maybe two, three years probably since COVID, um, obviously a, a horrendous time for everyone, but I think in some ways it really helped progress things um, for my business side of it. And I automated a huge amount of the business during that time, which freed up my time to actually be out teaching classes, be out planning events. So I use booking software for all my classes. It's Book When that I use. And that allows me to put up all my schedule, all my blocks of classes and my clients book into their classes. They know when they have to book in. And I work on a six week block for my classes, um, partly to save me doing accounts all the time and save me chasing people regularly. It gives me the commitment. It gives them the commitment of their space in the class. And then only if somebody decides to leave the class, I then open it up to the waiting list and offer them a space. So it just minimizes the admin on my side hugely, which, it, as you know, running a business, there is so much admin involved. Yeah. I had to find a way to reduce my evenings of doing that. So now it's all completely automated through Book When. I have a website as well, so I link it through my website. So if people are looking for me or if I've got events coming up, it's all in the one place and then it's through the software. That links to um, a Stripe account, which links to my business banking account, which my accountant and I can then manage it there. So a few years ago, it was all pen and paper and writing everybody's name and how much they've paid and adding it up with a calculator and sitting trying to do this every month um, throughout the year. And then when you have to do your taxes was a huge part of my life and a huge stress. So now it's completely automated. It's really, really simple. And I can log on any day and time. I can check the finances. I can check my booking lists. I can check my registers. Um, and it really just makes it easier when people ask how the waiting list is or how the classes are. It's all there, black and white, really straightforward. Yeah. Uh, it, again, a huge lesson, right? Definitely. The, the, the process that you've described, you know, many of us have been through that and you know, when I look back over the, the 23 years or so of, of running these clinics, there's so much that I would do differently. <laughs> I think there's so many lessons and getting it right from the start is one of those, um, as you've just highlighted there. Deciding, you know, some key decisions that you've just spoken over. How are you going to run your classes? Are you going to run in blocks and people pay up front and commit to it? And it's the same group of people that you're taking through, which is, you know, the best way to do it because people will get the most out of that, right? Definitely. Um, and from, you know, our point of view, what we want to be doing is teaching and helping people rather than 
doing accounts and spreadsheets and all the rest of it. So, you know, really, really interesting. Um, so I, I'm not familiar with that uh, software, um, but you said that was a, a book when. So, you know, great. Another one for people to go and uh, have a look at and see what that's like. Um, you also mentioned, obviously, just in passing there, uh, a couple of things that at this stage it's probably good for us to to let people because um, people may be wanting to look into yourself a little bit more and learn more about your journey. Um, so you are based in Aberdeen and your website, what's the website address? Yeah, it's www.freshlycentered.com. Okay, great. And that comes on to the next question I want to ask because this is one thing that people starting a Pilates business often uh, maybe don't give enough thought into. Um, freshly Centred. Tell us about how you came up with the name, why that name, how, you know, did you have to choose certain colours with your branding and all the rest of it? Yes. So very early on, I thought the business needs a name, even when it was one Pilates class a week. I thought it needs something so that people know who you are. And even before I had a website, so I just had a Facebook page and that's where it ran from again to begin with until the business grew and I set up the website. But I didn't really want to go down the idea of Tracy Ward Pilates because in my head, I always had a plan eventually that I thought it might not just be the Pilates. I um, had an interest in the sort of yoga side of it and did um, go on to do the therapeutic yoga course that you offer. And I, I kind of had an idea that I don't want to be a yoga teacher, but I wanted to add elements of that to my Pilates and likewise, the bar training, um, so the bar course as well, I like the idea of doing that. So from the beginning, I thought it might not be 100% Pilates. I might add elements of therapeutic yoga, a little bit of bar. I do add those now, but they are partly more for my events and, and retreats. They're sort of for special things. Yeah. Um, but I thought the business, if you call it Pilates and call it your name, I'm very limited to it. Again, I also had the idea that I thought one day I want to write a blog and I, I really enjoy writing. So I thought there might be other avenues to explore workshops, events, retreats. So I wanted something that gave us a sort of centered approach to all of that. And I kept thinking, well, Pilates, it's about your core. It's about your center. I want to be centered in my well-being and my health. And I was just trying to think of things that would go well with that. And I kept thinking, what's a fresh approach to this? It's a, a different concept. It's a new concept or a holistic concept. And then one day I just came up with, well, let's just be freshly centered. Let's have a fresh way of looking at it, a modern way of putting different elements of our health and well-being together. Let's be centered in our core, be centered in our life and our holistic approach to things. So Brilliant. Really what I wanted the business to be mean and be mm -hmm. rather than it's just me and Pilates because it's not just about me as well it's about all my clients and it's about how they feel and the opportunities uh awesome and, and again just uh just a question you did all of that sort of brainstorming thought process yourself did you work with anyone on naming or branding or anything like that no so that was all myself um in the early days I designed my own logo at the time but then again, as the business grew, my design maybe wasn't as sort of, I don't know, professional, maybe you could say as what I wanted. So I then did later down the line, I worked with a designer to design my logo and change the sort of colors and um, 
fonts and, and actually created a sort of brand from there with it. But yeah, the name um, came from myself. Yeah, excellent. Good. And I think, again, it's just that another lesson that one of the things that often can be a roadblock, so to speak, to some people when they're at that crossroads trying to make that decision is the cost can just mount up again and again and again. And so I think, you know, you don't have to have everything perfect from day one, but you do need to give it a shot, be brave enough to give it a shot. And, you know, think about the things that you will ultimately come up with, because even if you do work with a big branding company, they're still going to come to you and want all the information. They just piece it together and can make it look a bit nicer. But ultimately, you know, the look, the feel, the vision, everything does end up coming from yourself. So, you know, great to hear, you know, your thought process um, and how you went about that that there. Um, and you, you mentioned within that thought process, your view very early on about wanting to go beyond just the the physiotherapy and the Pilates side. And you, you've touched on your uh, love of writing and joy for writing. Um, and that brings us on to, to this phenomenal piece of work that is yours. Um, Tracy is the author of Science of Pilates, which is a absolutely brilliant book. It's, it's a book that we now um, recommend to everyone going through our Pilates Matwork teacher training program. Um, it's enormously well-written, Tracy, I must say. Now, you mentioned in uh, your sort of thought process there very early on that um, you were thinking of a lot more than just physiotherapy and Pilates and even more than the Pilates classes themselves. Um, and you, you, you touched on very briefly your love of writing, um, and that is something that, you know, we have benefited a lot from here at APPI. Your blogs have been fantastic. Um, but you have taken it another step further, um, and that is the production of, of this fantastic book here. This is a book called The Science of Pilates. It's written by, by Tracy, um, and it really is a brilliant piece of work. Tracy, I, I must say, it's Thank written you. beautifully. The, you know, the, the graphics and the illustration um, in this book as well is something that I think is just, just brilliant. They see all of the muscle work through the various exercises. And it's a book that we here at APPI, um, we recommend to all of the people going through our Pilates teacher training program as well. Um, now, having you know, written a book myself with, with Elisa many years ago, um, writing a book is a whole nother world for people that haven't gone through this process. So I'm uh, very interested to hear what it was like for you. Take us through the journey, how long it took what the process was like you know what it was like getting towards the end talk us through through the process of, of producing science of pilates sure so i as i said i'd done various um writing work up until this point i'd written for publications regularly and there was actually a book that came out um science of nutrition and um, by a nutritionist that i followed and knew quite well and I just thought, why is there not science of Pilates? And with presenting at the APPI courses, um, at my own classes, at physio, everybody has all these questions. And I loved reading all the research about it and trying to get the evidence-based answers for them so that it could inform their studies or their practice more. And I thought, but there's not a book that actually has all this in one place. And it was actually when my daughter was born, so she was born in the May, and about two weeks later, she was sleeping a lot, thankfully. 
and my son was at nursery some days a week and I like to be busy and I thought you know what I'm going to write a book proposal on this and I put together a book proposal of all the things I thought a book on Pilates should have sent off um, to various agents either got rejections or got um, no replies and I heard that publishers don't like you to go direct to them they like you to go through an agent but no agents were interested and then just one day, um, again, scrolling on Instagram, I came across a Pilates teacher who, in her bio, it had mentioned that she worked for a publisher and that she was a book editor. And I just messaged her on a whim and said, any idea how I get my book idea into the hands of a publisher? I've got this really great idea. She said, send it along to me. I'll have a look. I emailed her, didn't hear anything for a month. And a month later, she got back to me and just said, I've been really busy. I loved your idea. I've sent it to my friends over at Dorling Kingsley and they might be in touch. And the next day I had a video call meeting with their publisher, uh, their editor, and they loved the idea and they wanted to go ahead with the book. So that, by the time that all came about was in the October, it took until the Christmas to get contracts and negotiations and all the details signed off. Started writing the book in January and... Yes, it's quite a process to go through. I got complete freedom of the book. So they said you can write whatever you want about it as long as you think it's what people want to know and it's um, accurate and factually evidence-based and, and so on. So I started writing the book. The team at DK, they had the illustrator who was responsible for the artwork in the book. But I, in order to get him to do those illustrations, I had to write out how every picture would look. So I had to give him a list of illustrations. I had to describe the position right down to things like palms will be facing up 10 degrees away from the body. Eyes are directed forwards at this level. So everything had to be fully described. And then I had to tell him which muscles I wanted labeled, what colors I wanted them labeled. So we did that back and forth for about four months that took till the April of me giving him instructions him drawing the pictures me correcting them back and forth and then in the April we'd finished it and they said okay we can do the rest of the book now so I had all mapped out in my proposal what was going in each section but the designers they would then come back to me with kind of word counts so for each page spread they would say you've got this many words that we can fit on the page and then they would say, OK, you want to talk about this, this and this on this page. So in this column, we can fit 200 words. In this column, we can fit 500 once we designed the pages. So I then had to be very concise in what I wanted to say to fit into that word count around the layout that we'd chosen and the pictures. And starting the book in January, they said normally they would give these books about a year to be written. But because ours came about a bit later on, they wanted it published in the December for like New Year, sort of people getting onto their fitness tracks for the, the start of a fresh year, which in book world meant the book had to be sent to the publishers in July. Oh, my so word. I thought I had till the July to write it because that was our kind of final date for it to be signed off. What I then didn't know about publishing um, and being in that industry was the book had to be finished written by the start of June to allow the editors to do all their final checks for the US team. They had to do the, the sort of changes to the US terminology and everybody had to proofread it so many times. 
so from April to June, the rest of the book um, had to get written. And I think we were down to about four weeks. I had to write the first and the third chapters, the two big chapters. So it was a busy time. Um, yeah. But I loved it. It was really exciting. And just getting to work with the team and getting to put everything that I wanted into a book. And every time I wrote a section, they would go off, put it into the layout, edit it, bring it back. And you just got to see the pages and see it all come to life. It was just amazing. Yeah, it is. It truly, it truly is. Uh, um, and you've done it in a very quick time. I know Elisa and I, it was, it was more like sort of a, a 10 to 14 month process. Um, and it, uh, I must say, it was, it's amazing what um, the, the, editors and the copywriters can can do to your words because I certainly wrote far too much like a physio and you know the way they can interpret it and, and turn it around is, is is quite impressive um but it is um you know it truly is a a great book I think it's one of those books that uh should be in every Pilates uh teacher's library so um you. you know the book is available uh, on the APPI website, you can get it through APPIHealthGroup.com. Um, if you're doing any of our courses, it's here at the, the head office. We're a big uh, supporter of the book um, and of Tracy. So if you don't have it, um, have a look there and see how you get on. Um, so uh, let's move on to the other part of your life, which is as a presenter for ourselves. Um, and it's more so just, I guess, sharing your experience as a presenter. A lot of people um, do send their CVs in to us, do inquire about wanting to be a presenter. And I think sometimes people don't really understand what it takes to be a teacher trainer. So it's a big difference, isn't it, between teaching your clients Pilates classes and teaching somebody else to teach Pilates one-to-ones classes, et cetera. Um, so why don't you um, share with us your sort of uh, experience as a presenter, what uh, you enjoy about it, the challenges, the travel, um, you know, what's what's your version of being a, an APPI presenter? Yes. So um, it's a great opportunity. It is really exciting. It is very different, as you say, from being in the studio with your classes and your clients. So I these are mostly run at weekends and being in the northeast of Scotland I do travel most of the time or all of the time for this but I just think that adds to my role of it I enjoy especially I'm down in London at um, HQ a lot and I love coming down to the chapel to present and be in the environment so yes it's it's teaching the students how to teach the exercises to the highest standard that you can but I think it's also sharing all of the evidence, all of the research around it, because we like that application that it's suitable for people with sore backs, people with surgery, people with injuries. And I think that's the part that I really love about it is we're not just teaching them to do an exercise and how to do it for fitness. It's that much more comprehensive scope of it. So we get some really great discussions. We get lots and lots of questions from the students about why we're doing it, how we're doing it, why would we change it, the contraindications, the modifications. So there's a lot of questions which give you great discussions. Sometimes yeah. it can be quite challenging um, trying to give everybody the right answers or to find out the right answers for them. And 
it's a busy a busy job, a busy weekend of keeping everybody moving forwards on the course. We've got a lot of curriculum to get through and make sure that everybody's happy with it and comfortable with it. Balancing the time that they have to practice versus the time that you're teaching. They don't just want to sit and listen to you talk all day as well, though they yeah, want exactly. to be doing the exercises and um, learning how to teach. And, and obviously it potentially is their new career as well. So there's a lot of extra involved in planning the day, keeping the day moving along, but giving that time to answer the questions, giving them feedback on how they can improve as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it, it, it's one of those things that uh, you do have to be willing to, to give everything to it, right? Because, you know, while we have our scheduled breaks, that's more a time for the presenter to ask or answer further questions or talk or that sort of thing. So um, it is important. And and having said all that, I know for me, when I get to the end of, of a course module, um, it is enormously rewarding as well as it obviously being challenging because you see the progression of your group and you see people that are 100% committed from day one and other people that maybe have been sent along by their hospital or their work and they're like, oh, you know, how exactly how much of this do I want to put into my life and my work life? And then, you know, even within two days, you can see people completely transform and see just how effective, you know, the the technique of, of Pilates is and, and certainly our approach to it, as you've said, on the, on the clinical courses, we focus very much on, you know, trying to really understand the why behind the exercises and you know I think one of our biggest strengths on the clinical program is that clinical reasoning element we bring to the courses um but you know I'm interested to you know to I don't want to put too many words in your mouth but I certainly find just that that you know sense of fulfillment in a way as the presenter when you get to the end of a module when you see the group walk out really excited and enthralled about you know what two days ago, they maybe didn't really know that much about. Yeah, I usually get um, almost like quite emotional at the end. I teach a lot of the comprehensive course and you'll maybe see the students on a few modules or when we get to the last module. So when they're finished, they're not going to be back in um, the studio doing their teaching with us anymore. And that's them off to go and do their exams. And I actually usually feel quite emotional thinking like how far they've come along and yep they're ready and I just know that this journey they've got ahead of them because I've been through it all and I've seen the opportunities that you get and for some people yes it might just be to add to their you know their their spare time or to their current job but for some people it is a whole new career or they're wanting that change in lifestyle so it's just really exciting to know the path that they're going to go and have soon and I feel sad when they leave us because you've spent so much time it is the, the days that we have in the studio teaching are full on. You have your breaks with them. You have your lunch with them. We're chatting for the whole um, sort of eight hours a day. You're with them the whole time. And then when they go off and leave us, they've just got such a journey ahead of them. So it is really, really fulfilling to know where they get to. And then even some people I might see on social media, what they're up to. And I just get this sort of proud teacher moment sometimes when I see that there's a student not long ago who started doing retreats after I'd spoke to her. They've set up their own different parts of their businesses. And it's, yeah, it's just really proud to know that we've let them do that and you've yeah. played that role in changing their their career for them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. And one of the one of the things um, to take that almost a step further that certainly, um, you know, 
Elisa and I are extremely proud of with with the technique and the method that uh, that we developed is is the concept that it has grown internationally to the degree it has with it being in, in 26 countries now it's been taught in eight different languages around the world and in all versions of socioeconomic areas and that's it was one of our goals when we designed this particular uh, method of Pilates is it should be accessible and achievable by everyone and as you know on our on our courses that's what we teach it's the teacher's job to find the right exercise not the client's job to do your exercise and we have to create this sense of a positive movement experience for our clients and allowing them to enjoy movement by achieving it um, and doing it in in the way we have and and the sort of step-by-step approach and breaking things down into you know, four to six levels of every mat exercise has allowed that to move around the world. Now, as that's happened, one of our challenges has been continuing to ensure that the curriculum uh, is improved the whole time, is maintained up to date, that we continue to be leading the way in our thought processes and how we teach. Um, and that has led to your invitation for your most recent role, which I'm delighted to use this Pilates 101 podcast to announce to everyone listening that Tracy has been appointed as our global education advisor and an ambassador of APPI Pilates worldwide. Um, and so you're now going to be given the task of, of you know, continually going over our curriculum and using your skill set as a, as a fantastic you know, Pilates teacher, Pilates uh, business owner and a writer, author of a book. You you tick all the boxes for that role. So why don't you, uh, you're very new to the role. We're literally only announcing it now. It's been a couple of weeks and it's evolving even as as, as we go through the process. But um, I'm interested to hear, hear your thoughts on, on this role and why you were so excited about it. Yes. Yeah, so firstly, thank you again so much for this opportunity. I um, was delighted um, from all my writing work and going through the process of writing my book as well, it's what I love is looking at the research and how can we apply that to continuously improve, whether it's our clinical practice, our Pilates teaching, or even just in our lifestyle, how we can improve things further. So in this role, we're hoping to review our curriculum and review the courses and constantly update so that we're staying at the forefront of all the recent research that comes out, the recent evidence, so that we are teaching the most up-to-date um, aspects of things, but also just improving things because as we've spoken about this whole pod- podcast, everything evolves and how people teach or how people learn or the skills that they might need or even just the help that they might need to get along the way can evolve and change. So we're hoping to implement that throughout the courses. And we've also got some really exciting new course ideas um, that I'm really excited to get started on um, for this year. So we've got quite a few things that we want to add and improve and other services we want to bring along the way, which is just great to be offered the chance to to do that for you um, and add it to the the course schedules and things. And you've also asked me to look at a few other parts of things. So how can we bring the education through other elements of APPI. So just making sure that everybody can get the most out of it. So I'm really, really excited to get stuck into it. Um, Yeah, we just started this a few weeks ago and already my lists are huge, my ideas are going um, and we've had lots of chats about things we can do. So it should hopefully be a really exciting time for us. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, ensuring that we continue to keep our place at the forefront of this industry and leading the way, continuing to deliver the highest quality education and, and partnering and working with phenomenal people like yourself is going to allow us to, to achieve that. But it is very exciting, as you said, for those listening out there, there's also lots of new developments. We've got a whole bunch of new, new courses, new workshops, new ideas about how we can uh, utilise um, all of our amazing faculty and what they can can offer to us. So um, it's, a, it's a role that I've wanted to, to get off the ground for a while um, and it was in, in all about finding the right person and, and you know you bring that unique skill set so we are delighted to be partnering you with, with you in this role. Um, well look I have that we could keep talking on forever there's a whole you know Tracy's about to launch a, a, a brilliant course for us on rotational sports that we probably should talk about but we'll have to maybe save that for another episode down the down the track so I'm conscious of, of your time and our listeners time and everything else and we like to keep the podcast to a, a set uh, time period here. Um, so before um, we finish off, what I, I would like to do is just give you the chance to let people know how they can learn a little bit more about yourself, follow you, um, those sort of things. And we mentioned the website earlier, maybe just remind us of the exact URL there and then your social media handles and all the rest of it. Yeah, thank you. So the website is www.freshlycentered.com. And I go by that name on Instagram um, as well and YouTube, um, although I don't post there too much these days, but there is YouTube. Um, I'm mostly active on Instagram, um, so you'll get me there or on my website. Okay, amazing. Well, look, thank you again very much for your time both today and as a presenter with us and on this this new role as our global education advisor as well. So um, I'm, you know, it's been an absolute delight spending time with you this morning. I know our listeners would have gained a lot from uh, from your your story and what they've heard from you today. So thank you very much once again for joining us on Pilates 101. And thank you so much for, for having me and for all the opportunities that you, you keep offering um, to myself, the presenters. It's, yeah, a great to be part of the team. Thank you. Oh, there you go, team. I, uh, I really hope you enjoyed listening to Tracy, listening to her story. Um, I certainly enjoyed the conversation. And uh, as I said in the intro, um, I just think there's so many um, lessons for um, those of you that are on a similar journey to take from today's episode. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, a big shout out to Tracy again. Thank you very much. To my team in head office, to Jay, who helps me enormously on this podcast, um, and to all the team here at APPI in the UK. Um, big thank you to all the team. If you want to get in touch, please do so. Head to the website, appihealthgroup.com. You can email us at info at appihealthgroup.com. And I hope to see you on one of our courses, be it live or online, one of these days. Enjoy your Pilates teaching. Enjoy your Pilates training. Don't forget to do it yourself, not just teach others this amazing form of movement. Have a great month and I will see you next month.